0: Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack, back for the one and only Kristen Higgins, the only reason I would come back from medical leave. I'm thrilled to be here with all of you, and we have two special guest hosts of Kristen and Mind Choosing. But first of all, let me just welcome you back to Authors on the Air. I've missed all of you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm also thrilled to talk about the new Kristen Higgins book, Pack Up the Moon, unlike anything she's ever written before, but with her absolutely essential, it's so beautiful. When I've been on lockdown for medical leave, this is the book I read first, the first one I got, and it's it's right here, tucked next to my heart. That's right. <laughs> and I love it so much. We have a couple guests from Super Readers Group, Kristen Higgins, Super Readers. Kristen, welcome to the show first of all thank you it's so nice to be
1: here
0: i I miss seeing you i mean we we get the message and then you know once in a while so i miss you are you having a good time yeah yeah
2: i'm here um at our little house on cape cod with my dog sleeping on the deck um my role model in life he just like goes from one nap to the next i love that (laughs) talking about pack up the moon and and uh Talking a lot with my readers and and stuff, and we have two today. We're so excited.
0: I know, but first, I want to mention, and in case you didn't know about Kristen, she's gained a family member, haven't
2: you? Yes, I am a mother-in-law now. Um, As of 12 days ago, I believe, um, my daughter married her wonderful fiancé, and um, she's a nurse, and he's a firefighter, and we called her the princess since birth. And so it's like the princess and the firefighter. It sounds like a novel, you know. It does. It does. They are ridiculously good looking. So, you know, I posted pictures on social media to, you know, like, look at them. Aren't they beautiful? And everyone is like, yes, they are. So you know, I, know.
0: I have so to so say, Flannery's dress was exquisite in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. And your dress, which you had made for you yes. by a costume designer, correct?
2: Yeah, my friend down the street just happens to be the costumer for a little unknown play. Um, it's a historical and a musical. It's called Hamilton. I don't think anyone's heard of no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> so she, um, she's wildly talented, and it happened to be the pandemic, so she wasn't making costumes because Broadway right. was closed. And um, I was, you know, every woman—it's so hard to find a dress, the dress for a special occasion. I have one daughter one son so i said do you think you might make me a dress and she did and I, I loved it And i've never had a dress made for my proportions you know um so i've never had a dress fit so well and look so good and this i beautiful the color was exceptionally beautiful for you, and, you know, it, was it was really really fun it was really beautiful so who did you bring with you today to talk we have Marissa Sanchez from Illinois, and oh, I'm maybe shouldn't say your last name, Sherry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, my own Sherry. So
0: we only are available in 153 countries, everybody's going to know you,
2: you're famous. but yeah, long time readers and part of my um, my online a uh, little private group called the Kristen Higgins super readers. They're just people who are so enthusiastic and, you know, I've been writing for, I've been published for, um, 12, 15 years, I think. And so your readers become like your friends and, you know, yes, they, they are your friends. Sometimes we might go out to dinner or, you know, see each other at events and, you know, I talk to them a lot in email and, um, you Know, have like gifts that pictures that their kids drew me and stuff, so it's Aww. always really it's nice. Family.
0: It's your reading family, it
2: really is. Yep,
0: so I want to just let Sherry go ahead and start. You are the guest host right now, Sherry. What do you want to ask Kristen,
3: your favorite? Uh, author? Well, let me first of all, I'm trying not to fan girl because I am such a fan, yeah. truly. <laughs> so, but uh. I have to say, first, you know, I, I finished pack up the moon um, probably about ten days ago, maybe, and oh my goodness, the book hangover—it's it's, yeah. it's <laughs> hanging on for a while. It, it it's just wonderful. But I was I was um, a little reluctant, I'll, I'll admit, because I knew it was going to be a really heavy subject, and, and you know, I mean, the, the blurb itself gives that away. That's not sure. a going right. in. So, Kristen, how did you? I guess as I was reading through it, and, and to be perfectly honest, about a third of the way in, I'm thinking, "Why am I doing this to myself? This is really <laughs> so large." How do you, how did you manage to pull that together? So in the end, I am li- I have literally recommended it to everybody I know. I, you know, it's
2: wonderful. I, I um I want you know I I don't shy away from sad and difficult subjects in my books, even though I think I write with a lot of humor. And and all, I would say this book especially is very uplifting and life affirming. But it is also about a young woman who dies um, three years into her marriage before she's even thirty. So I guess I wanted to write one of those epic "Fault in Our Store," "Fault in Our Stars," or maybe "For You" kind of books where you see the journey of the person where death is walking right next to them you know, and, and you know how this is going to end. So the book was inspired and told the story a dozen times, but bear with me. Cause like, you know, any cool story, it's worth retelling. Um, I was up here on the Cape finishing another book and it was winter and it was like tw- 12 degrees out with a bitter wind off the ocean. I was taking my dog for our our daily walk on the beach and he was shivering and I was shivering and we both had coats on, you know, he's a short haired dog. And I was just like, let's get home before we die. And, um, and I, we were the only ones at the beach when we came on, but as we were leaving, I saw this man and he was just wearing like a regular jacket and not no hat. He was standing at the edge of the ocean, just staring out. He didn't turn to look at, you know, some lady in a pink parka and her dog. And I just thought, he looks heartbroken. You know, he looks like the the loneliest man in the world. And I want to write a story about him. So, um, so I thought, you know, it's a risk, right? To, to write a, a sadder story, but, but people do get terminal diagnoses and you do have to figure out how to live with them. So in doing some research, I found um, a little documentary that documented people who are living with a terminal diagnosis. And what struck me the most was how joyful everyone was. And that's not a word I use a lot, you know, like a happy, content, you know, giggly, but these people were just so full of joy and they were funny and they were graceful and they were sarcastic and, you know, and I was like, I want to be friends with all these people. I love these people, you know. And here's this young woman who's also newlywed. She has terminal leukemia. Um, her husband, you know, like, will has to carry her on his back sometimes. Here's another couple where she has a brain tumor, and she's already lived like seven years beyond she was supposed to. And um, you know, there's a young man like performing live on stage, and he's written a song, and and you know it was, it was just this beautiful uplifting show about people in this extraordinary circumstance. And so I wanted to explore, like, how do you have the best time of your life when you're living with a terminal diagnosis? Because that's one of the first things Lauren says is this has been the best year of my life. And I know I'm getting close to the end. So, um, so I wanted to explore how that would happen and also to take that lonely guy on the beach and, and get him to a happy place, even though he's, you know, de- devastated and lost the love of his life. You know, how do you go on? Right. That's the, that's the question. How do you actually go on? And and do you ever you know, get over it? You, you, the answer is no. You'll always love Lauren. And that's very clear. Um, but you get stronger, and you get more adept at at carrying the memory of your person, um, whether it's you know a parent or a child or a sibling or a friend or a partner. You know you'll never stop missing this person, but that doesn't have to be painful all the time. It's obviously going to be painful in the beginning and throughout different times because grief doesn't really run in a straight line. Okay. So. I wanted to um show this woman who was living her best life full of happiness and joy and and you know practical jokes and laughs and um and show kind of like how do you get to that space of grace mm-hmm. and and also to show Joshua how do you get from grieving widower to happy man? I hope that answers your question. <laughs>
3: It's interesting that you say that because uh my the scene in the book that was the ultimate gutted was that scene on the beach. So it's you know, it sounds like you literally wrote that into the book and it's it it's is. so powerful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, Kristen, let me ask you a question. You 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 write so poignantly about this. Have you had a loss like that?
2: I have never lost a partner. Um, but I lost my dad um when, when I was about Lauren's age when she loses hers. So that was something from my own life that I worked in. And, you know, I, I used that experience of sort of your dad is alive one day and the next day he's gone. Right. And for both Lauren and me, it, it made us grow up fast. So we had to, um, become adults very quickly and, and reprioritize and the knowledge that life can end without you planning for it. Um, it does, I think, instill a certain attitude in you that you know life is uncertain. You know there will be losses ahead. And in some ways, I think it allows you to live more fully, if
0: that makes any sense. It does make sense.
2: Yeah,
4: it does. Uh, Marissa, would you like to ask a question? Oh, sure. I think um, one of my favorite scenes in that I could most relate to was when Josh started crying in Banana Republic (laughs) when he meets Bradley. (laughs) Because I think, I mean, personally, I've made the best friends and relationships um, when I was vulnerable and, you know, wasn't like, oh, everything's great, you know, and I was able to connect that way. So I was just wondering if you've had, you know, certain moments like that that you remember that you kind of drew from. Yeah, you know, my other great loss
2: in life was my firstborn. Um so that was as horrible as you would imagine. Um and um the the worst thing, like you could keep it together until some stranger was nice to you. <laughs> and then you just crash, fall apart. You're just so unguarded. And in that moment when Josh is, you know, Radley has, you know, grabbed him all these clothes and he he puts on these clothes and he looks at himself in the mirror and um, you know, like since her death, he's been wearing like t-shirts and sweats and athletic gear. And, and he looks at himself and he thinks he looks, I look like Lauren's husband and that just ruins him because now he's Lauren's widower. And so he's sobbing on the floor and here's this clerk, Radley um, who comes and he's so compassionate and so nice. And um, makes me want to cry. again. (laughs) It makes Josh feel like less like a freak, you know, and, and, right. and he doesn't have to worry about talking about Lauren with Radley because Radley has, he never met her. So right. he's not also grieving her loss, which is new for Josh because everyone is so far has known her. Right. And, and is also grieving. So, um, Radley and Josh become really good friends and he's, he's probably my favorite character in the book. He's just a lot of funny. So everything you want in a friend. And I just actually, one of my readers is a gay man who used to work at Banana (laughs) Republic. He said, I can confirm that we are all just as great as Radley.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's so nice.
3: Uh, Sherry? Um, The other question that I would have is I found it a, a really cool choice that... Josh was actually on the spectrum. I mean, so, you know, rather than, you know, the, the traditional romantic, you know, perfect man hero, I mean, that in and of itself was an interesting take. And I loved the way Lauren handled that. So what, what prompted that choice? Well,
2: um, one of the things that you do as a novelist is, you know, you, you set off, you set this impossible challenge for your character, you know, um, and you pick the person least equipped to deal with it. So it will make it harder for, for Josh than, you know, say for my husband or something, because Josh is, he works for himself when Lauren meets him, he's a super genius. Literally. Um, he is a medical device engineer, so he's saving the world one device at a time. And, um, and he's on the spectrum so or neurodiverse is is what what we're calling it now so he's neurodiverse and he's you know it, that comes with some baggage but it also comes with some great gifts and um but because he is somewhat isolated and very content with like the four people he has in his world lauren coming into his life it's it's like when dorothy leaves the house uh, in um, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> and it's all color, right? And yeah. here's a woman, and she's so bouncy and happy and energetic, and she has this family, and and they do things, and and she brings all this color into his world, and then you know she leaves, he dies, and um, so so Josh keeps thinking a lot of times throughout the book, like Lauren would tell me what to do here, you know. Lauren would make this less awkward and what would Lauren say, you know, and, and he, he uses her kind of as his touchstone um, to, to get out in the world. And and that's the whole point of the letters is that Lauren knows Josh is sort of ill-equipped to face this mm-hmm. because he has this tunnel vision, on um, you know, finding her a cure and taking care of her. And then when that's just gone, he's going to need some help. So she writes him the letters with You know, very loving message each month, and also a job for him to do to push him back out into the world. And in that way, over this year that we felt with Josh, she does it again. She brings him back to life again. Yeah, loved
4: it. Marissa? Um, I guess I was just wondering too with um, their dog, if you think, because it wasn't explicitly that Lauren chose to get him or her before you know, she passed, but do you think that was part of it? Just because I know even having my dog during the pandemic, there were days where I was like, I don't want my kids out of the house. Like early on, I was like, I don't even know what to do. I just want the three of us and our dog not to leave. And I'm like, well, he has to use the bathroom. I have to be somewhat normal. I have to keep moving. So I was just wondering if that was kind of a forethought too. You think that she purposely wanted, you know, at least something to make him do that initial step of leaving the house. I think you know she um she knows her diagnosis when they get Pebbles and
2: they get this very energetic cuddly dog. She's an Australian shepherd mix and um and Lauren, you know, for one it's, it's a great comfort to Lauren to have someone to snuggle with and nap with all the time when she, you know, when she's not feeling well. But but the other thing is yes, it it the dog is going to outlive her. Right. I remember her joking about And Josh goes (laughs) a little crazy, you know, he gets really angry that she's joking about the dog will outlive me. And, um, and it's one of their few fights, you know, where he says, you cannot joke about this. And she says, I have to joke about this. You know, I, I, I'm not going to be able to get through this without some humor. And, um, and it's one of those very poignant moments where they come together and they each kind of, understand each other that much more and the burden that each is dealing with
0: you know um when i spoke to you about one of your other books we talk about your titles a lot and you said your mom helped you with your titles yeah so she yeah. so where did pack
2: of the moon come from this um this was actually my title and i thought of it all by myself so super proud of that um, this is from the beautiful poem by W. H. Auden called Funeral Blues. And um it starts Stop All the Clocks. So it's also called Stop All the Clocks. And it's most famous for being read during four weddings and a funeral when a man loses his husband to a heart attack, and he recites the poem at, at the funeral. And um, so the line is pack up the moon, dismantle the sun. Um let the stars fall from the sky because there's that sense when you lose somebody that the world can't keep going on without him or
0: her. How can the world keep going? Right. And, and I, always, I lost my best friend March first. Oh, I'm so sorry. Unexpectedly, oh. me. So I say, you know, who do you get mad at? Why does the world? Why is there a next day? Why does the sun come up? Yeah. How how can everybody just keep on living don't they know this horrible thing has happened? Right. What so, happened
2: to them? Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, and there's a reference to it in the book where Josh, you know, obliquely references like at some point stop, the clock started again. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and and there's that moment where he realizes like everybody else's life is still going forward Lauren's sister has children, her mom has a job, you know, and he feels like the one really marooned um by that by that day. And it's I mean, it happens to all of us when you are the only one who thinks of your baby that day or your father, your sibling, your partner. And um and it's you know, it's devastating. But it's it's part of what we experience as humans. Right. You know, we all are gonna lose somebody too soon close to us. And, um, you know, I mean, not even someone who's young, when my grandfather died, he was 94 years old, wonderful, amazing life, nine children, dozens of grandchildren. My mom was 70 at the time and she was broken because her dad died. She's like, I've never, you know, seven decades upon this world and I've never not had a dad. And, you know, so like, there's no great time to lose somebody. There's no way to lose somebody. Even if, you know, like my grandfather, he was, he was winding down and, you know,
3: um,
2: you know, it was, it was time. Right. But it was still devastating. You know, the great man was gone and, um, and it really does feel like my skin has been peeled off. How come people are looking at me like I'm normal? (laughs) Right. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Um, let's talk about some happy things. You said you were writing another book before you started writing this one. Has have you completed the other book, or was it your prior?
2: that was always the last to know which okay. came out. Oh, okay okay what's the sure um, one too you yeah. know i have all of them <laughs> i do i want to talk about some happy things and pack up the moon less yes. people think, this is too sad it is yeah, it yes, is sad. like with all my books i'm hoping to make you cry at least a couple times but in exchange for that you also get to laugh um you know there are some very outrageously funny scenes in here there's some black humor there's um um, but my favorite scene involves Joshua getting a new hobby, which is one of the <laughs> tasks upon him by Lauren is like, you know, you need to get out more. And then, so he calls her best friend who's, you know, now his friend and says, like, don't you take karate? <laughs> and he goes to the karate studio um, for his first lesson. And um, that was such a fun scene to write and I, I think a lot of the scenes I deliberately placed so that like you can have some relief now, you right. From the <laughs> goodness, right? Yes. Um, and, uh, and just like in real life, like I remember um, going to the cemetery on the day of my dad's funeral and something happened in the limo that we were all cracking up. You know, we were like crying with laughter because it's a release, you know, it's a relief yeah. to laugh sometimes. And um and Josh ends up loving karate despite his rocky start and uh, and uh, and his cla- his fellow classmates, which I just I loved picturing that. You know,
0: Josh. I'm so happy that you did this though, because otherwise this would not be a Kristen Higgins book. Had you just let it be this sorrowful thing, even I mean, a, there was so much beauty in the story anyway, regardless. But you do have to have that emotional break when you're reading something like this. I mean the fault in our stars took me like 10 times before I got it and you before me. And, you know, right. Right. I mean, I couldn't even watch the whole movie all at once. It was, it was so (laughs) new was too traumatic for me. Uh And so um, I want to move on a little bit, Kristen. Um, What is the feedback that you're getting that people don't like about the book? Is it Um because they think
2: it's too sad? Yeah, I've seen some people post like I'm afraid to start this. Right. And the the wonderful thing about this being my 21st book is that my readers generally trust me, right. you know, and they know what they're in for. They know that that you know this is going to be sad, but she's gonna she's gonna lift us up in the end. Right. And that was absolutely my intention. So um, when people say like I'm not, I, I think this might be too sad. Maybe it's not the right time for you to read it. Um, you can make up your own minds cause you're an adult, but, um, but I also think like this is, and I've gotten a lot of feedback to this as well as like, this is a great book to read after the pandemic. As we were talking before we went live, like we have all been, you know, sitting with our shoulders hunched, waiting for what comes next. What are we going to do? What are we going to be like as a nation, as a, as a world, you know, is anyone going to die that I love? Um, am I, did I just get COVID by going to the supermarket? So it was a very difficult time that we went through. And I really believe that reading this book gets to unlock some of those All that emotion, right? And you just get yeah. to like Lance the yeah. boil and it's easy to cry over someone fictional, you know, yeah. Josh and Lauren are real, <laughs> you know, and I'm glad you feel that they are, but, um, but I think for me, like I love to watch really scary movies, you know, Woman Alone, No Neighbors Around. That's basically my life. And in comes like The Scary Clown. <laughs> I love it because it's fake. You know, if I feel like I'm watching it, what are the odds that the clown will get into my house, right? If I'm watching a movie, when I go on an airplane, I try to watch an airplane crash movie, you know, like once you, um,
0: more Christian than we really thought, Kristen. I have to say,
2: <laughs> no, it's like, like oh, no, I recommend this, stick. this to everyone. What are the <laughs> odds that you're going to be in a plane, cr- uh, plane crash when you're watching Castaway?
0: Right?
2: <laughs> so it's like <laughs> a mechanism.
0: Twisted logic, my friend, but gosh, <laughs> I understand it. So, you know?
2: <laughs> I flew to Australia and I watched Castaway. Flight and <laughs> <laughs> I don't sleep on planes, so I was like Watch another plane crash movie. Um Because what are the others? so um so? I think that reading this book lets you know if if you have been sort of clenched with worry over the past eighteen months, um, you'll get to you'll get to let some of that out. And, and, and by the end, um, like Sherry said, um, you know, you, you get to like, you, you carry the book with you. I think overall, this is a very uplifting book and it's, Oh, a, I love the book. I, I think it's, it's a love story, you know, yeah, it is
0: a love story and it's, it's a love story. That's very real in our world. You know, mm-hmm. people die young, uh, people in love die, die and, and lose each other, but it's wonderful. So let me ask you, um, what do you have planned next, or are you just taking it easy?
2: This is a massively big Kristen Higgins book, by the way. it is and it, you know it definitely um because i I was writing it before the pandemic, but I finished it during the pandemic. and um and, you know it it was it wasn't an easy book to write for sure, especially when I was away from my family because we were like declared in lockdown. And I was, I was here at the Cape and my family was home in Connecticut and my husband, the firefighter, and my daughter, the nurse said, we're high risk. You can't come home. We don't know enough right now to live in the same house. So just stay there. So it was like five or six weeks where, you know, I didn't see anybody. I saw my dog. And, um, so, um, so it did, you know, it did take a lot out of me, but I'm so like, it also really like. Filled me up too, and I'm so proud of the book, and and you know the reviews from readers and reviewers have been amazing. So, um, so you know if if anyone out there is thinking like, do I want to sell a book right now? I'm going to say yes, you absolutely do. So, um,
0: how about this? You have two readers in front of you, yes. actually, right here in front of you. Doesn't happen often, and it hasn't happened for a year and a half at least. No. So, what do you want to know?
2: from readers as the writer. I guess I would love to know what you like most when you pick up a book, like what reading experiences is, is the best for you?
0: So Sherry, why don't you answer first?
3: Hey, um, gosh, that's that's tough. I, you know, sometimes it, de- it, it depends on my mood, but in general, I think what I look for is a seamless entry into whatever world that is. So it, it really needs, for me, to to be pulled into a book, um, it has to have kind of its, its own... It, the clarity of the world needs to be um, seamless. And, and I'm having a hard time expl- explaining what I mean, but because... And you. The, the flip side of that is, it is if the detail is so detailed that I that I get lost in it, then I'm out of the book too. But I think what I love so much about Kristen's writing is I immediately, it doesn't matter, I think I've read everything and, and every single time I'm completely immersed um, and I feel like I'm their friend or I am their sister or I am there. And I love that you write relationships that I can relate to. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's really what does it for me. Um, that That's why I'm such a fan. Thank you. You know, Kristen is probably the most unfussy writer friend <laughs> I
0: have. She's just as down to earth as anybody I've ever met. You know, I've done about 2000 author interviews. I go to a bunch. I mean, we've seen each other a couple conferences. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she just kind of slides with the crowd there. She's <laughs> She's not uppity. I have to say that it's so much fun being around, around <laughs> you. It really is. It's been a long time right. Oh My gosh.
2: How about Marissa? What do you look like? Yeah, I Marissa.
0: Mean, what you look we'll kind of like?
4: Gosh, I feel it like for me personally, I like to read kind of different genres, like depending on the mood. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, I know like with authors like Kristen that I like, like I know I can like count on it. Like, I know I'll enjoy it. Um, I mean, the first book I read was The Best Man. And I think I've read that five times. It's <laughs> so funny and fun and relatable. And, you know, we've all been in those situations, where, right. you know, it just like I just it's so great. And so and I think if it starts off like um, Sherry said, like relatable, like someone I could relate to or something interesting or begs the question well, what is going to happen or you know i do like mystery like what could happen and how could how is this going to unfold and i care about these people so i want like i want to know what happens and i need to see like what the journey is and how all it goes so interesting um sherry are you uh,
3: particularly a romance reader or do you read across genre also yeah you know, primarily i will I, I will say i i I really became an avid reader. I was an avid reader when I was young. And then when I was raising my family, there just wasn't time. So as my kids grew up, I started mostly in romance, but over time I've, I've, I've sort of ventured more into um, domestic thrillers and just women's literature. So, right, and, and really to be perfectly honest, I tend to find an author that I love and then I'll I gobble up everything they write. So, you know, and and so even if they're across genres, you know. I'm glad
0: you said that because there was um, one romance writer who said she thought it was terrible that people bought books from used bookstores. And um, at a time before I was doing this, and I've been doing this for 10 years, um, I used to go to used bookstores. I'd buy books at garage sales, you know, for like 25 cents and all, because I just wanted to read. I read 400 books a year. So I don't have a television and I live with four cats. And, <laughs> it hasn't affected me at all.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I think if people are reading. But it's, it's a great, great job. Where you got your book, you well, know, library used books sale, you well,
0: know, to, to Sherry's book. comment though, you know, she'll find one writer that she likes and she'll go and read those other books. So I never read romance before, and I, my former neighbor from a long time ago, turned me on to your books, oh. and so I went. and First of all, I looked up all the books in order because I always thought that's how you're supposed to read books. <laughs> <laughs> what did I know? I didn't know you were not writing series. So, my I have a shelf in my on my women's fiction and romance bookcase of Kristen Higgins right there. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it is, um it's. The, but I agree with you, Marissa. You also read it. Oh, by the way, Sherry, don't you think? And Marissa, don't you think romance stories like this one can be a mystery
4: too? They're an oh, absolutely mystery, right? yeah, yeah. mystery. Yeah, I won't spoilers, but yeah, just yeah, out what Josh's path was going to be. Yeah.
2: So. that was fun to write. Um, yeah. and sometimes, you know, the book surprises me. I was just reading a book, um, fantastic book called incense and sensibility by Sonali Dave. So <laughs> oh, Sonali, yeah. One of my very dearest friends and, yeah. um, and she writes women's fiction, romance, a little heavier on the romance, I would say. She wrote this whole book. And I thought, the whole book, I thought, how are they going to get together? You know, there's such high stakes here, such good reasons for them not getting together. And yet, like, their hearts need to be together. So, you know, it was right up until the end. I was just ripping through that book thinking, you know, it's so great to not know how it's going to work out, even when you trust that it will work out.
0: Yeah. Um, Interesting. I met Sonali down here in Fort Myers at Southwest Readers Fest. I think you were down here one year, right? Southwest no. Festival, Fort Myers. No,
2: um, I've been to it, Romance Wine and Chocolate down there.
0: Oh, that's right, that's right. You've been—that's where you've been. And then I saw you at RWA too. Mm-hmm. But Sonali was here, and we just had the best conversation. And she did come on the show because she's so influenced by Jane Austen. And and so, and I don't really like to read old Jane Austen, but Sonali
2: puts such a modern spin to it. Yeah, and it's incredible. she's not the first to have done no. riff on pride and prejudice but she's doing it so well and all through this one family um this big sprawling family in northern california right. and she's i mean it's brilliant it's brilliant and so that was um the you know that that kind of immersion experience that you were talking about Sherry and you know you're sucked right into that world and carried along and and I love that too i said to Sonali, because we were i called her to fan girl and um and i said that the greatest thing for me as a writer is to forget that i'm a writer when i'm reading a book you know to forget about sentence structure or you know oops you said this in chapter 3 and now you forgot that you said it in chapter 12 you know just <laughs> be completely caught up in in the story um is what I, is what I love. And I also read across genres. Um, I love domestic noir. I, I don't know if that's a thing, yes, but I, did. um, I read pretty little wife by Darby Kane that I've been talking about everywhere. Cause it was, that was a very unique story too. Right. Um, you know, in a very, like, you know, immediately who the killer is, but that you, in chapter one, you know who the killer is. The whole thing is- You don't know what's going to happen with that killer. Where did the fight? body go? That's yeah. the question, you know? And I was like, what? Wait. <laughs> you know, so. I,
0: I love those kind of stories. The thriller stories, you already know who the bad guy is. You're just thinking, oh, what next? Right, right. What next is going to happen? So I get that. Um, so Marissa, when you, um, when you go to a bookstore to pick out a book or you're going online or something, not Kristen, not Kristen, because we are all fans. <laughs> we know that. <laughs> what draws your eye to a book? What makes you stop and take it off the shelf, or stop it when you're
4: doing, you know, scrolling through? Oh, that's tough. I feel like I you do a lot of book recommendations from friends or people, magazine or you know, different reviews. But if I'm just browsing, I mean, I could take me hours. Like if a cut. I mean, pink's, all, like, if anything's pink, i will be like, ooh, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> Just wearing pink head to toe, like, in the water. <laughs> <laughs> Must be really fun. <laughs> but um, I'm also, I love historical fiction, especially a lot of, like, women's historical fiction that's come out, like, the Alice Network. Like, you know, I'll, you know, I'll read the back and I'll see, you know, oh, that piques my interest or, you know. I just think it's so great. There's so many strong female characters and it's just
0: you oh, know. I love that. So what you're gonna do is after the show, you're gonna send me an email and I'm gonna send you a big box of books of historical fiction with <laughs> with women heroes. I get about fifty books a week from publishers from around the country. Oh my gosh you know we i get 300 emails a day asking for interviews mine is only one show of 30 in our network so um but i do not read historical anything it's it's a i know <laughs> meet me right now it is the okay give me give me really good fantasy like you do so, you i'll read that i'll read i'll read a post-apocalyptic i'll read urban punk any of that stuff i just can't read historical i don't know why makes me feel older (laughs) no
4: i I think for me just i just have such a fat like i'm in my head i'm like wow this really could have like and i have so much respect for the research that the author any author does like I mean, I think that, I mean, I'm an accountant, so when I think back to school, uh, you know, I mean, I can do tax research and tax law, but all of the different things that get pulled and I'm just, to me, I mean, to me, that's a different type of genius. And even with Kristen's books of all the different diseases or medical and all of, I'm like, how does she learn all these devices (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> copious
0: research dear mm-hmm. so you're gonna, you're going to get in touch with Kristen, Kristen, and she's going to give you my email address and or, or vice versa however we'll make sure
3: sherry what do you particularly like to read and what draws your eye to a book um well again my my first go-to is generally romance i tend to but then again i i go to the authors that i know and love okay. and i have to admit though i am a really big fan um especially the last few years of audiobooks so i've really gotten pulled into kind of that audiobook world and just like i love authors i also love narrators narrators a great narrator will will introduce me to a new author that's so, true um uh, I've, I've never
0: listened to an, an audiobook cuz it's too slow for me i can read two books in a day so i uh, i think um how long how many hours is your book uh, Kristen, on audio, I think it's twelve. Yeah, see, I could read two books in that time easily, two full size books. It is like, a completely different experience. Everyone tells me because you're listening instead of thinking. You know, you're not visual. You're, you're it's audio.
2: If you have a great narrator, and and I am blessed with the narrators. You know, Exie was the first. Uh, Exie Sands was the first narrator assigned to me, and I I listened to the the clip. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, she is that character. That's exactly yeah. how I picture that character." So I've, I've clutched Exie to me, and Dion is also the only male narrator that I've had. Um, I think. So um, I do, I do, how do you
0: ask you this. How do you decide? Like for Pack Up the Moon, how many narrators are you going to have in your
2: audio? And you know, how do you decide? Well, I I generally don't. So the okay. people that recorded books do. Um, this one is a little bit different in that it's um, when Lauren is narrating her chapter, Dion is the voice of Josh. Um, so he, you know, he's interjected there. So it's more like a play or a movie. Um, but um, they uh, recorded books is very generous and they, they let me weigh in on narrators. And and if, you know, if, uh, in one of my books, I had three women narrators. Huh. So XC what I was like, okay, you're going to be, you know, Sadie, and then who will be, um, this character or that character. And so I get to listen to the artists and it's really, it is a different world. And I think that there are some books that are narrated by celebrities to their detriment, because you think like, I can't separate my vision or something from this story or, um, and you know some some do a very wonderful job. I think um, Carrie Mulligan did a great job on the Midnight right. Library, but um, it really is a different experience. And I also didn't used to listen to audiobooks as much because I don't. I, I'm not still enough to listen to audiobooks. I'm either writing my own or or doing things. Right. But when I when I was on the pandemic last year, Jojo Moyes had a book called The Peacock Emporium, and I listened to it and. I ended up writing her a fan letter or Twitter friends, you know, and I just said, you know, I'm in the pandemic all by myself and, and your book and your wonderful narrators have kept me company and like kept me sane. I was listening to them like, you know, when I was eating or cooking or, you know, um, sitting in the living room. And so a, a huge shout out to the talent that yeah. book narrators bring, it, it really is that. Different kind of experience, and you know, you you can't go wrong either way. Whatever, whatever flows your
0: boat. So, um, Sherry, I want you to be in touch with your email to Kristen, and I'm going to send you a gift card for audiobooks. Oh, awesome, so nice, let's okay. uh, Because you both have been excellent guest hosts, do you want to give us a sign off for to, and say hello to anyone or anything to Kristen
3: before we go?
2: No pressure. <laughs>
3: well i just want to thank uh, obviously kristen thank you so much i mean uh, hours and hours and hours of enjoyment listening to and reading your books for these past many years um but i have to say pack up the moon is my absolute favorite so it was wonderful thank Thank you so so much
4: thank you sherry and marissa yeah i just thank you to echo sherry i i've literally hours and rereading some of my favorites and pack up the moon. I mean, it was embarrassing at the pool with the kids to (laughs) at least I had sunglasses, (laughs) but I just loved it. And, I've had my rescue dog for a couple of years and I think intuitively you must have inspired me with all the dogs. The so is my Mr. Prince. He's my one. Oh. oh my gosh. Look at that. It looks like a stuffed animal. Yeah, I know. He, is, so he only has one eye and he sees an ophthalmologist for that one.
0: That's <laughs> his heart. You know, Just, I, I, I'm with four I, cats as I told you, you know, I have lots of books and lots of cats. Those are the only two things I collect. And if I, when I was reading this, I'm I'm laying on this sofa and my cat kept like going like this and I was <laughs> like, What are you doing? Well, I was crying and like, no. <laughs> a
1: therapy cat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I, and the other one bites my fingers. That's just feed me, you know. <laughs> get over your troubles, mom, and get up and feed me. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, thanks for being with us. Thank I you really it. It. Thank, thank you. So you know, I, I love talking to you. I have the best time. We're going to go to Kristen Higgins Super Readers, and we're going to see how many people paid attention to this, and we're going to give away another gift card, okay?
2: Oh, so nice. Thank you, Pam.
0: Oh, thank so you. Nice. And thank you for so many hours of joy, and thank you for being patient with me while I came back after medical leave, you know? I'm glad to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. We'll do we'll do something again soon, okay? Sounds great. Thank you for everything. Now we're out.